0: What is up everyone? Welcome into the Fight HQ Podcast. As we are here to break down UFC 298 of course goes down tomorrow in Anaheim, California, headlined by the Featherweight title fight. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Eric Topuria, Also co- co-main matchup, key matchup in the middleweight division. Robert Wicker taking on Paulo Costa. Of course, I am Jason Foy. That is a fighter. Pete Rogers Jr. We're here to break down everything UFC 298 related. As always, we appreciate you taking time out of your day to download listen, Or if you're watching us live, we definitely appreciate it. Pete, how's it going, man?
1: What's going on, brother? i excited to have a good card, um, a frustrating card to break down and try to figure out which side you want to, uh, which side you want to play from a DFS betting and just uh, a pick standpoint, but that means it's a good card. You know what I mean? Like it, it's pretty easy when these cards are lopsided, heavy favorites. But uh, when you see competitive matchups throughout, makes you you know it makes you have some unique picks.
0: Yeah, I will tell you, when I was putting together the Fight HQ contest earlier today, and and I was just kind of putting a dummy lineup together, I was like, man, there's a lot of under 8,000 options, and I really found just hand-building to be very simple. It's just a matter of who are some of those underdogs that you're going to get to. Of course, if you're first time checking us out, we'll break down each fight by fight. Then At the end of the show, we'll give you our straight-up fight picks, and of course, we'll answer any questions that you may have. You can hit those up in the YouTube chat. You can also hit that underscore channel, which is totally free to join. Of course, I put the twenty. 24 fight HQ standings earlier today. Yeah, that that guy who's in first place. It's a good, that's a good looking dude.
1: Are you in first? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I got to, I got to switch up my strategy and I think I got, I think I got it this week. I I think I'm going to end up being in the top three because I, I I know what you guys are doing in that contest.
0: Look, it's it. I, I use that contest as for the most part, I just use it. My cash mindset. You know, and and
1: it's exactly what everybody's doing. And I'm over here, GPP (laughs) swinging away with single digit fricking performers who, uh, who give me like a five, a six and a seven. And no matter how good the rest of my lineup is, it just can't, can't catch up to you guys.
0: Of course, uh, if you want to hop in that contest right now, the link is below, uh, right here on YouTube. Or if you're uh, listeners after a fact, is there in the show notes on the podcast channels. And of course, uh, we'll uh, talk about everything related to this fight card. Of course, uh, as we let's P, P, let's get right into game theory and talking about breaking down this card. I mean, to me, the game theory has got to start right at the main event because of the price point. When we're talking more on DraftKings than on FanDuel, FanDuel uh, they're nineteen, eighteen, respectively. But if, at a two hundred eight thousand, to me, it's a hard fight to get away from when I'm, I'm building my lineups
1: yeah so i'm gonna have a complete cop out here and i'm gonna say it's a stackable week because i can't i can't really decide who you know who's going to win this bout and uh truthfully I, I actually can see it reaching the championship rounds and i hope it does i hope we don't see uh an early stoppage um you know and i i would love to see the challenger get really tested in deep waters and i would also love to see alexander volkanovsky come back from uh you know, suffering his first KO defeat uh, in the UFC, to you know possibly reclaiming that throne as yeah he is the 145 pound go that's his rightful weight class and he's a different he's a different fighter down here at 145. So from a um, a construction standpoint, I totally agree. I I think it's a unique way to get different is avoiding the main event. But I don't know, man. Unless we get a 10-8 round somewhere in there and this somehow becomes a draw and nobody gets the win bonus, I don't see how the winner doesn't doesn't bust the slate. Like, truthfully, I, I think that 8,200, 8,000, they are just at a broken price tag given the five-round nature and given the skills. I mean, very, very high fight IQ, high skills. I'm excited for it, and it's one of the best matchups we've seen in a long time.
0: And if you've not heard the news, we have lost one fight today. That'll be the heavyweight matchup between Marcus Ruggiero de Lima and Justin Taffa. So that one is off the car. But when I look at the rest of this this card and looking at what the projections are right now. And there's certain fights that, and me and P were talking before the show, if you told me if Morab and Sahudo was a five-round fight, I would be much more interested in, in the favor in Marab in there because we, we know what Marab does. You know, he you know you look at the, the Peter Jan fight, he had forty nine takedown attempts in five rounds. He got him down eleven times. So if like that was a five round fight, I'd be much more interested in it. Don't really love it as a three round fight if I'm going Marab. I think it's it's one of those fights that I would want to get to more Henry Cejudo than Rob, and you know Cejudo said some interesting things this week, and um, you know you kind of do wonder if he doesn't get the victory, or are we going to see a retirement right after this fight is over? So we'll see what happens there. Um, then you know I look at the Hernandez and Kopilov fight, and, and obviously we'll break down this a little bit more. But like if you tell me Anthony Hernandez utilizes grappling, I love him at eight hundred price tag.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I think that. You know he possesses that Marab type of quality about the about the card um even though kappalov has uh, improved on his takedown defense you know in early in the in the UFC it was not good against Carl Roberson it was not good it was out grappled by Carl Roberson it Was not not nearly the, the 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 type of grappler that Anthony yep. Hernandez is um you had Albert Duraev do the same thing to him so I mean like from a, a grappling upside um it's clearly uh rinya Nakamura at the top for me. Which is a great spend-up. It's just, can you find that money? Um, Anthony Hernandez, uh, Hernandez, and Marab Dalashvili normally would be in that category, but I just you're going up against a, a an Olympic wrestler who I still think can get taken down, but I think can make adjustments. And I think Henry will get taken down, and he'll make some adjustments, which will somewhat limit the upside of Marab. Typically, the guy who's going to smash the slate, but I just don't see in a three-round atmosphere how he gets enough. Against a Mm -hmm. like super high caliber guy, unless he's just complete offense, zero defense the entire time.
0: Yeah, but I'll say this like, there is the the 7,000 options, the 7,000 options this week are intriguing to me. Jeff Mm -hmm. Neal is an intriguing 7,000 option to me. I mean, when you look at that, we always talk about that 73 and below. Like, to me, the two that really stick out to me would be Jeff Neal and Paul Acosta.
1: Yeah, I I think everybody's going to be on the Jeff Neal. Uh, underdog shot just because we've seen Ian Gary get dropped in the UFC. We've seen him get rocked, hurt, and also a lot of people just don't like him. So they want to see him lose. Um, I I think from the outside, though, Ian Gary does possess all the skills to keep Mm -hmm. Jeff Neal away from him. Um, But, yeah, it's a a hell of an underdog uh, guy who's fought and won against equal opposition of Ian Gary. Uh, So, you know, styles make fights. We'll have to see if, if he can land that big left hand. Um, against plotting fighters that don't really have good movement, he's able to capitalize and land those shots. But like a guy like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who had great movement and Ian Gary moves a little bit like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. We'll see if he can capitalize. But yeah, I like I like Paulo Costa down at the bottom. Kapolov's gonna be a hell of an underdog. Um the complete dart throws of Woodburn and Vera. I would cross off Vera and uh and, and Probably consider a puncher's chance for Woodburn, even though if Jason disagrees with me.
0: Yeah, it's uh, there are some interesting underdog shots here this week We'll get into it Of course, as always, we appreciate you tuning in If you're uh, watching this on YouTube If you're not subscribed to the channel Be sure to hit that subscribe button And hit that uh, thumbs up button That really does appreciate it Of course, uh, be sure to leave a comment And uh, we'll get to all those questions at the end of the show But Pete, let's get right into it we got the main event Alexander Volkanovsky taking on Ilya Teporia And uh, I think we can all say Confidence is not an issue for Ilya Teporia He is a very confident fighter Heading into this one He is a slight bit. Betting underdog at plus 105, Volkanovsky minus 125. As we mentioned, this price point uh, a 8200 for Volk on DK, $8,000 for Taporia. And then over on FanDuel, Volk is $19 and $18 for Taporia. Pete, uh, break it down for us.
1: Yeah, so I mean, we, we have one of the most complete fighters in Alexander Volkanovsky looking to return, coming fresh off a knockout loss back in October to Islam Mahachev, where he took the fight on short notice. Uh, mentioned that he was doing some uncharacteristic type of things uh, in his free time and, and not necessarily being in the gym and uh, being fight ready despite Islam Mahachev having an, a fight coming up. So like, you know, I, I'm happy to see him back at his rightful weight class and I'm happy to see him, you know, refocused with a full camp. You take a gamble, you take a shot, um, and it doesn't turn out. Uh, you know, in the first encounter against Islam Mahachev. He put up a hell of a fight and uh, he was able to, you know, reverse some positions, even though he got controlled from the back, but he put Islam in some spots where we haven't seen him before. Uh, he rebounded off of that defeat to Yair Rodriguez, where, you know, he just completely mollywopped the striker and, you know, dealt with the kicks really well, um, was sharp defensively and just put a complete game where mixing in the wrestling seven of 12 takedowns really taxi Ayer Rodriguez and the ground and pound is something that I think uh, needs to be uh, spoken for when it comes to Alexander Volkanovsky. When he takes people down, he has some of the most vicious ground and pound in the game, and it's just a matter of, you know, do you break over time? And, and the pace that he possesses is, uh, is crazy, and you, you can put him in bad positions. Um, if you do not shut off his lights, he's going to still be there bell after bell. So um, do I like the fact that he's coming back? Six months later, after getting knocked out, no. I actually think that he should have taken more time off. But it's the balance of trying to get back into competition during your peak um, and balancing the damage that you just sustained from a head kick from Islam Ahachev. Um, in a perfect world, I wish that he would have taken more time, right? But now he's going up against one of the most exciting prospects in Ilya Taporia that the featherweight division has seen in a very long time. Debuting against Yusef Zalal, who I think is a very solid fighter um, and probably doesn't get the credit that he deserves, and I wish he was still in the UFC or maybe he is. I don't. I, I just I like Yusef Zalal. But then knocking out three opponents back to back to back: Damon Jackson, Ryan Hall, Jai Herbert. Even going going through that Jai Herbert fight, getting knocked down with the head kick, dealing with adversity. You saw Ilya Taporia make some adjustments, and you know his his boxing is the difference maker here. He's the crisper puncher between Alexander Volkanovsky and Ilya Teporia. Um The punches are tight. The combinations are great. He goes from the head to the body back upstairs. So like he he changes levels really well, and he varies his attack. He's not a head hunter. And when you dig to the body, you're going to hurt him to the body, or you're going to open up your headshots. And just look at Ilya Taporia's highlight reel. It's, it's, it's amazing. He brutalized Bryce Mitchell and beat the hell out of Josh Emmett over five rounds, which I think is important. Because last week we saw Joe Pfeiffer get tested in his first five-round bout against Jack Hermanson and looked really dangerous early on as he's a very, you know, he's an early-round finisher. But then as the fight got extended, you see it start to favor the veteran, the guy who's been there before. Ilya Taporia has a five-round bout in his bag, and that's against Josh Emmett. The only difference is that there wasn't a lot of... uh, resistance in that in that fight. It was competitive in moments, but like he wasn't getting taxed and he wasn't necessarily having to work. I just think, right? Like I'm going to slightly slightly lean still with Alexander Volkanovsky, even if there are massive red flags for me. There are, you know, the 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 chin red flag, also his exits on his on his striking exchanges, his hands are down, his chin's up in the air. We've seen him get knocked down by punches against Islam Makhachev. Knocked out with a head kick. Uh, we've seen him get put on his back numerous times. One time by Chad Mendes. Do I think Ilya Taporia has the power to knock out Alexander Volkanovsky 100%? Um, but when the going gets tough and your opponent is pushing you to your wit's end, can you dig deep? Can you dig deep from adversity? Uh, we've seen Ilya Teporia dig deep and come back a little bit, but I almost feel like that gas tank can be broken and i'm slightly going to lean towards alexander volkanovsky even though leading up until this week i was a big topuria guy and i was thinking he's going to knock out volkanovsky i just do think that the complete game if if alex mixes it up and makes Toporia wrestle just to expend his energy i think this will be a competitive fight until volk takes over late um if he just tends to strike i do think that topuria knocks him out so It's it's a lovely matchup for DFS. Get a hold of it in all of your lineups or 90% of your lineups. Stack it in some of them. Um, But yeah, I'll slightly lean towards the champ, one of the pound-for-pound greatest fighters we've ever seen.
0: Before I kind of get into my thoughts of this matchup, uh, I want to mention something. Uh, p- kudos to uh, Lone Wolf, uh, throwing this out there in, in the uh, in the chat. Mike Baum, MMA Junkie, is uh, reporting that uh, the UFC is finalizing having Junior Taffa, Justin Taffa's brother, step in on a day's notice to fight Marcus Rosario de Lima. What in the hell? <laughs> yeah. Is that no, that? Not. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you, you no, got that's some, fake. Yeah. Um, so on the main event, by the way, and one of the things when we talk about Volkanovsky heading in this one is typically when you look at fighters at his age in lighter weight classes, this is typically when we start to see, you know, things start to fall apart a little bit. And and Volk has really embraced this this week. I mean, just how, how do you not love Volkanovsky in this one? But, you know, I, I think the, the one question I do have is, you know, is it, is it the chin issues? Was it more about being up a weight class, fighting guys who are just much bigger than him coming down here? But uh, I, I think it's it's one of these things, if if you're playing multi-entries, I, I think you got to have 35%, 40% of each fighter.
1: Yeah, at least. I mean, at least. I, I'm probably 55 45 And, like, I can see it going either way, Jason. Like, I really can. I, I do think that there's a world where Alexander Volkanovsky uses his clinch puts him against the cage, and weighs on him in there to kind of just zap the energy out the first couple rounds. Because I do think that over five rounds, you know, you don't punch as hard. You know, you can't have the same power and same exertion from round one to round five. So it, that's the strategy I would implement as a coach is just, you know, stay on the outside. If he closes the gap, pin him to the cage, weigh on him, dirty box, clinch fight with him. Um, zap some of that energy, make him grapple offensively and defensively, and then we, we take over three, four, five. You know, and it's like, mm-hmm. that's the vet way. Like, look where Hermanson did. That's exactly what Hermanson did. The only thing here is that we have a massive chin issue with Volkanovsky coming off an, a recent knockout. And in addition to that, um, you know, you do see some of the defensive flaws that despite winning, being one of the best pound for pound fighters out there, he's making some technical errors. Exiting with his hands low. So, I mean, who am I to to critique one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world? But I'm just saying, Taporia cracks really, really hard. And if there's a guy in the division to uh, knock out Volk, it's him.
0: Looking over at prize picks, so we have three props up on Volkanovsky. Significant strikes, 85 and a half. Fight time, 18 and a half. And fantasy score of 92 and a half. Uh, I, I would say I would, if I was going to attack this one, I'd probably look at the fight time more than anything else of going more than 18 and a half minutes. Um, look, if you think this thing's going to go 25 minutes, I, I think he'll go over the 85 and a half significant strikes. Um, I, I really wouldn't want to touch the fantasy score. I'd be To me, I'd either go the fight time prop or the significant strike prop.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. I think that it's starting to seem like it's going to go 25 minutes. And then how do you not favor, you know, the champ in a situation like that? I mean, they're both so damn tough. So I I do like the overrun the fight time.
0: And I would say this. If you think this thing's going to go 25 minutes in cash, I do not mind stacking this fight.
1: I don't mind. St- I mean, listen, we, we could have an absolute war where they're both tested and dropped and And like they could both have mm-hmm. 70 plus points. Yeah. I will take that all day long at 8200 and 8000
0: No doubt about it. Let's move over to the code main event. You got Robert Whitaker taking on Paul Costa. Robert Whitaker is a minus 240 betting fare, plus 195 for Paul Costa. Costa 7200 on DK, $12 on FanDuel. And for Whitaker, he's 9000 on DK and $21 on FanDuel, Pete.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, another interesting matchup, right? We have Robert Whitaker, former champ you know, ultimate gatekeeper as well within the division where it's like, all right, let's see how legitimate you are. Give him the Robert Whitaker assignment. Can you pass it? Not many have. You know what I mean? Not many fighters have. Drikas Duplessis did. Israel Adesanya did twice. Outside of that, he's dominated this division. So, I mean, how, how the hell can you, you know, pass on Robert Whitaker? The issue, though, is that how, you know, the, the method and how he lost to Drikas Duplessis. I mean, it was a... Yeah. Dreykus Duplassi switches stances so often, and then when he switched stances again, he threw that right hand really heavy from the lead. So it's kind of odd to get dropped by a jab, but it's also just showing how powerful Dreykus is and how tricky and awkward. And I think the awkwardness um, is what resulted in that knockout. My issue, though, is that like Robert Wittekryk, I feel like just gets by a lot in, in a lot of his fights. Like They're really close, and he's somewhat playing with fire, used to utilize like a a low-hands karate type of style. Um, I just don't like that unless like Mm – and I come from a karate background. But like there needs to be time when you are in danger zone where you need to bring your hands up. Like I I do not like the tall guy defense, leaning back, head beyond your knees. You get hit with anything. You get planted on your backside. So um, I might be on an island. I would love Robert Whitaker a lot more if I knew he was going to lace up those wrestling shoes. And that's what what I actually mm-hmm. thought he could do against Dricus Duplessis is just possibly tax the gas tank of Dricus. Um, that was, you know, that was when I also thought Dricus had really bad cardio uh, prior to his uh, deviated septum surgery. Um, but like I, I liked when I saw Robert Whitaker go to the takedown well against Israel Adesanya over 25 minutes attempt 10. Um, you know, against Darren Till attempted 13, even if he's not having the best success, at least he's attempting, uh, because I do think that his grappling is super underrated. The issue here is that he's going up against a guy in Paulo Costa, who's possibly the biggest wild card on the slate, a guy who's pulled out of more fights than he's actually competed in, in the UFC. Um, and a guy who's coming off of a layoff from a, and you know, in August, 2022 banger against Luke Rockhold up in elevation. Um, You know, was that performance impressive? When he throws combinations and he's aggressive, he's absolutely impressive. Um, The fact that Luke Rockhold took that on somewhat short notice uh, after being absent from the UFC and and was still there, huffing and puffing, hands on his knees, and you weren't able to get rid of, you know, Luke Rockhold, who has been chinny at times. It, w- it was a little interesting to me that we didn't see Costa pick up the finish. But I will tell you what. I've been watching Costa train Jason Costa is an animal he looks great and the one thing is is that he can defend takedowns uh with his strength and he's actually got some underrated takedown defense he's very very powerful with his combinations and I'm seeing him utilize a lot of his head kicks you got to think he's coming off of back-to-back camps where he actually trained full go for Hamza um and then in addition to that now is accepting this fight against Robert Whitaker so I may be on an island, Jason, but like if the odds were closer, then I'd be I'd probably be going with Robert Whitaker. I just think that there's value on, on Paulo Costa. I think there's going to be a 15-minute war. Um, and then you're gonna see who who inflicted the most damage. And I actually think it's gonna be Paulo Costa. The worry is obviously the Robert Whitaker jab. He he jabs everybody's face. Uh, but I, I do think that is gonna have an answer for it. So um down there at 7,200, Gonna start with a uh an underdog in the ma- in the co main event with Paulo Costa.
0: You know the last time Paulo Costa fought multiple times in a calendar year?
1: Shoot, I don't even know. Ultimate fighter?
0: 2017. Give me another stat on Paulo Acosta. You know how many wins he has against current UFC fighters? Pro Zero. Zero. Yeah. <laughs> his, yeah. His his UFC wins, Garrett McLennan. Bambuse, Hendricks, Uriah, yeah, no, I, Romero, Rockhold.
1: Yeah, no, I I mean, I, I see it. I totally get it. Um, I just, I really do. It, it's a tough task, right? I just do think that Robert Whitaker's, uh, you know, starting to be in that conversation about his chin as well. You know what I mean? Like he's been <laughs> dropped and hurt numerous times. I thought Darren Till was going to do it to him. Um, They hurt each other in that contest. I actually think Paulo Costa can knock him out here.
0: You know what I think is a crazy stab about Robert Whittaker? Hmm. You realize he's only 33 years old?
1: Yeah, I don't know how. I mean, he's he's younger than me. I'm over here looking at who the hell he's fought and what he's accomplished in the UFC, and then I'm like, dude, what the hell am I doing over here? And this guy, he's still playing video games, and I'm like, how the hell is he so young? I remember being in Buffalo Wild Wings when he fought Steamer Wonderboy Thompson, and Wonderboy beat the hell out of him. And... uh just to, I, I can't believe it that some of these guys are younger than me.
0: Yeah. I, I, when I was doing my show the other day, I was, uh, I had a, his Wikipedia pulled up and I was like, wow, he's only 33. I would have thought, I, I would have thought he was 35, 36 years old, just because of how long he, he's been in, in the UFC. Right. Um, I, I will say this. Like, I, I think when you're looking at a leverage play, I don't, Whitaker could be that leverage play when we're talking about those high-end options because there's other fires that a lot of people are going to get to in multi-entry contests. If you think Robert Whitaker is going to utilize his grappling, maybe get a a second, maybe a third-round finish, he could be a guy that might be a little bit of a sneaky play this week.
1: Yeah, he definitely could. I mean, I just don't... How does he finish Paulo Costa? I just don't see it. Like, I I don't know. I don't view Robert Whitaker as a power striker. I don't... I, I think that he's... He's very crisp. I think that he's very well-rounded. Um, I just, I don't know, man. He doesn't use his grappling enough to, to work towards a submission. And I actually think that he's gun-shy because he's worried about getting knocked out.
0: And, and I'll say this on price picks. I really don't love the the props they have on Whitaker. A significant strike, 63 and a half. Fight time, 14 and three quarters. Fantasy score, 87 and a half. Personally, I would be looking to go somewhere else as opposed to attacking this fight on price picks. Yeah. That makes sense. Let's move over to our next matchup. We got a welterweight matchup. Jeff Neal taking on Ian Machado. Gary. Gary is the favorite in this one. Minus 235 for Jeff Neal. He's plus 190. Neal 7100 on DK. $11 on FanDuel. And for Gary, he's 9100 on DK and $20 on FanDuel. Pete.
1: Yeah. So uh, Jeff Neal could be fool's gold, right? Like he could be fool's gold where everybody's just looking for that underdog uh, to come through. And he's going to be the popular one against the uh, against the hyped up prospect and Ian Gary that nobody likes and it's crazy how you know from fight to fight just the the MMA masses can change with with their opinion towards you and my god is he getting booed um you know I do think that Ian Gary is actually really skilled like I I I think that the combinations we see this kid throw um I've watched him train and you know he's very very talented on the feet defensively there are some issues though and and you get away with it in training and you get away with it sometimes in your fights but somebody eventually is going to make you pay and the the issues that i'm you know referencing are the tall guy defense like leaning back and just leaning out of the way out of range from your you know opponent shots the you know you can only do that so many times before somebody's going to capitalize with your hands down. There's a way to do it. You need to pull an angle off, keep your chin tucked. But the way that he sticks his chin up in the air as he's fading back, somebody's just going to close the distance or they're going to shift into space and then they're going to touch that chin. Jeff Neal can land that left hand, and when he lands that left hand, my goodness, can you take it? I don't know if you can take it. So I I don't hate the underdog call here at all. The issue, though, is that you know Jeff Neal has – almost been gun shy at times to let his hands go in some contests. Like I remember when wonder boy was fighting him, Like he was just kind of dancing circles around him, picking him apart. I can see a similar fight where Ian Gary stays on the outside, uses his legs to keep, uh, you know, Jeff Neal away from him, uh, rip the right leg to the body, rip the right leg to the head, the knees straight up the middle. So like th- there's a world where Ian Gary actually knocks out Jeff Neal here. Whereas Everybody's hoping for the opposite. Um, I'm going to say that there is value on Jeff Neal, but my prediction for the fight is that Ian Gary, in a 15 minute fight, does enough to stay out of harm's way and you know gets another decision victory over a tough a tough uh, opponent in Jeff Neal, uh, just from being too being too rangy. Not necessarily be, not necessarily being long, but just being too rangy with his attacks, straight kicks, straight punches you know, lateral movement. So give me Ian Gary at 9,100. Not a priority from a uh, DFS standpoint, but would a a high score from either one of these guys shock me? No, it wouldn't. But uh, I'm going to side with Gary here.
0: And and kind of go back on what I mentioned about Robert Whitaker. If you're looking to get a little bit of a leverage spot on these high 9-in options, Ian Gary is one of those guys here. Um, You know, one of my things about Ian Gary is it's become very evident to me. This is a guy who can dish out the trash talk. He can't take it. It's become very clear this week, and it's going to be interesting, and I don't mind you know, taking a shot here on Jeff Neal, um, particularly if you're just looking for that low-end option. I mean, I mean, Pete, you talk about this every week on the show, is can you find someone at low-end that might get you 40, 50 points, even in a loss? And right. I mean, now, but the problem is is I'm expecting this fight to be on the feet. I think it goes to decision. So I just don't know, you know, in a losing effort, how can Jeff Neal get to 50 points or even say 45 points
1: yeah it's, it's going to be a little tough right um you know in against shavkat Rakhmonov, which ended in the third round almost went the whole 15 minutes he scored 29 fantasy points so i mean that's impressive uh this is the same guy jeff Neal, did lose to neil magny you know what i mean so like i i do think that styles make fights obviously um i just think that ian gary's a hell of a lot better than than uh neil magny as evidence in their fight um, and he's a rangy guy. So as far as a, a a bottom end option in a loss, Jeff Neal would not be the guy that I'd be looking at. There's a couple people in a loss that I'll get to uh, that could possibly do enough and just give us the the high end combination of of top end fighters that just absolutely crush. Uh, so yeah, give give me um, give me Ian Gary to win a decision here.
0: Uh, give you a little update. Junior Taffa has stepped on a scale, made weight at 249 pounds. The fight is going to go. Uh and do? and by the way, he was preparing for a fight next month against Carl Williams.
1: Oh shoot. What do we okay, so hold on. Let's let's so I'm ingesting everything you're saying right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Carl Williams. Is a grappling specialist. Yep. And that would have been a nightmare matchup for Junior. Is it Junior?
0: Yeah. I, junior I don't know I, I don't know why he accepted a fight against Carl Williams. That that to me is a bad fight to take for him.
1: Terrible fight. But let's think about this, right? So if he is preparing for a guy in Carl Williams, he better be watching tape and better be doing take down the fence. Because what do I think Rogerio de DeLima is actually going to try to do to Justin Taffa, which is now Junior Taffa, is not get hit with that big left hand, pin him to the cage, and possibly mix in some takedowns as the big guy from American Top Team. Um, especially when you just got hit with a flying knee from Derek Lewis and half your teeth went through your went, went, went through your jaw. So, like, um, this is the, the curveball we did not need for this card. I'll tell you that. I, I'm... Not really happy with this.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh that that is going to be interesting to see where ownership goes Uh with that matchup. Let's move over to our next matchup. We got Marab Daljevili taking on Henry Sahudo. Sahudo is a plus one ninety five betting underdog minus two forty for Marab. Marab a six hundred DK seventeen dollars on FanDuel, and for Sahudo he's seventy six hundred DK and thirteen dollars on FanDuel. Pete.
1: Yeah, so Marab Daljevili is a pace pusher, tremendous wrestler tremendous uh outwork uh you know output and crazy work ethic um and, and just goes nuts from the opening bell to the closing bell. So if you are not in shape, he's gonna break you. And that's why like we saw Peter Jan just get completely dismantled over twenty five minutes. In a three round atmosphere, we have seen him not reach his ceiling. And what I mean by that is when he's fought tough competition, uh like Jose Aldo, um we've seen even John Dodson Guys with with solid takedown defense. Jose Allo with some of the best ever. He went 0 of 16 in the takedown the, in the takedown department. He went 2 of 20 against John Dodson. So there's a world where he gets Henry Cejudo to the mat a couple times. Cejudo makes some adjustments, but just cannot get away from the swarm of Marab Dalishvili from the volume striking, the clinching, the activity, and in the judges' eyes. It's like, dude, this guy's doing everything and Cejudo's doing nothing but defending. Defense is its own reward, and I don't think that uh, Cejudo is going to do enough. Sure, he could capitalize and land some calf kicks that could could possibly debilitate Dalishvili. Uh, He can land a knee up the middle to knock him out or a big right hand. I just haven't seen a lot from Henry Cejudo that gives me some confidence in a matchup like this. In an MMA fight, I think Marab's the better wrestler, and I think he's the better MMA fighter here. So, uh, I think it's passing of the torch, um, and we're going to see Marab really get a, a decision victory. But I actually think that it could be a trap where his salary is because everybody's going to flock mm-hmm. to him looking at the box scores. And I might be underweight. I, I truly might be underweight this week just because the likelihood is it goes 15 minutes, and Sohuda will have a defensive game plan, at least for some of them. Um, so I think it's going to cap the upside of Dalishvili, who will probably score 80 points.
0: Yeah, it is, if this was a five-round fight, I'd be much more okay. interested in Marab, just because of, and I made this point on my, my podcast earlier this week, I said, if Aljo was able to get Henry Sohu down four times, how many times do you think Marab could get him down in a five-round fight? My my just fear is, in a three-round fight, what is the the ceiling? For Marab in a decision victory, and that's where I, I look at some other fighters, kind of in that same salary area, like a guy we're going to talk about, you know, next Anthony Hernandez, and, and I, I see uh, the finishing upside in that in that type of fight, or you know, th- there's other fighters in, in that same area I look at, but to me, Marab is a play over on Prize Picks. His takedown prop is three and a half. If you're going to play that, you have to play the more. I, I I just don't think you can play the less because you just know. The takedown attempts are coming. It's coming, and you know, and and you kind of when you, when you listen to what Henry has said, you know, leading up to this fight, I get what he's saying, but I'm also kind of wondering about: Are we, are we on the verge of one foots already out the door?
1: Oh, it's been like that, man. He's just trying to stay relevant. I'm not a Sohudo guy. I love seeing athletes compete until they decide to call it quits. Uh, the king of cringe has expired. And I just do not enjoy his antics, but I will say that he's a very talented mixed martial artist and can make this. He could win this fight. He could be the underdog that actually wins because he has the the wrestling pedigree to shut down Marab, and then it comes down to volume striking um, of Marab versus possibly precision striking of Henry Cejudo. But I'm still going to be picking the activity in Marab to win.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there on that one. Our opening fight of the pay per view, we got Anthony Hernandez taking on Roman Kopilov. Kopilov is a plus 200 betting underdog, minus 245 for Hernandez. Hernandez is 8,800 DK, $20 on Fando. Kopilov, 7,400 DK, and $11 on Fando, Pete.
1: Really difficult fight because it's going to go one of two ways, right? You're going to see um, Roman Kopilov knock out Anthony Hernandez. Or you're going to see Anthony Hernandez ragdoll Roman Kopelov or attempt to ragdoll him and drown him in deep water. Um, Man, the pace that Anthony Hernandez pushes, it's Mirab esque It really is. And for the middleweight division, these guys can't keep up. We've seen time and time again, he just breaks people. I mean, it started with Josh Fremd, um, where he just, he landed 8 of 11 takedowns. Um, And in a 15-minute fight, that's a lot. 8 of 14 takedowns against Marc-Andre Berreau. 6 of 15 against Edmund Shabazian. Was able to pick up the finish in the third round against Marc-Andre Berreau and Edmund Shabazian. I do think that this fight actually goes the distance. Um, and I am I think that the 8,800 Anthony Hernandez is a solid upper-tier option. Uh, had a full camp. Kapilov, uh, except in this, on shorter notice than a full camp. Um Training out of Dagestan, and, uh, you know, Kapolov has improved since what we saw early on, getting out-grappled and submitted in the third round against Carl Roberson, which is a terrible look, mind you. And then following that up with a decision defeat to Albert Durayev, who, you know, just in, in periods was able to put him in bad spots and tax the gas tank and out-wrestle him and out-grapple him. Um, you know, four four KO streak over Alessio Puna Punahela Soriano, Claudio Hiberio, and Josh Fremd. All those guys I mentioned did not really try to offensively grapple Roman Koppelov. I thought Punahela Soriano was going to, and then when he decided to, it was too late, and he was getting battered. Um, But DeKirico, Ribeiro, and Fremd all enjoy striking on the outside, Um, whereas I I don't think Anthony Hernandez does. I think that he knows what he needs to do. Mm -hmm. He knows that he needs to grapple. Um, Junyun Park, 6 of 9 in the takedown department. Yeah, I'm going to be siding with Anthony Hernandez here. In a 15-minute uh, war, but I think that you know his skills that he possesses is going to lead to a very high fantasy score. So give me Anthony Hernandez here at 8,800. Do I hate the Kapilov underdog pick? No, not at all. I was almost leaning in that in that way. But, um, you know, Hernandez is susceptible to body shots, as evidenced in the Kevin Holland fight, the knee to the body with the elbows. Um, and Kapilov possesses a phenomenal left kick and, and left knee can happen but i think that it's it's a pretty simple strategy crowd the kicker and i think hernandez is going to crowd the kicker
0: yeah, I mean, this is one of those fights where I, I think for GPP might need to make this a priority fight just because if Hernandez is able would go the grappling route, you you see where he could get a massive score, but also you know I do like the underdog shot of, of Roman Coppola if he can keep this fight on the feet, makes it a striking match. You mentioned about that body shot, but it's it's when I look at you look at Prize Picks, uh, you've got four props on Anthony Hernandez: significant strikes, thirty-eight and a half, fight time, nine and three quarters, takedown, two and a half, fantasy score, eighty-seven and a half. The the fight time and the takedown props are the ones that really do stick out to me. In terms of this one, I would look to go more on on both of those. I would probably more favor the fight time over the takedown prop just because you you just you hope that he does go the grappling route in that one. Then our feature prelim is a female matchup, which was initially supposed to be Amanda Lemos taking on Tatiana Suarez. Suarez had to pull out due to an injury, so Mackenzie Dern is stepping in to take on Amanda Lemos. Lemos is a minus 135 betting favorite, plus 115. For Mackenzie Dern, Dern is 7,900 DK, $14 on Fanduel, and for Lemos, she's 8,300 DK and $16 on Fanduel.
1: Yeah, I really like this fight for Amanda Lemos, I'm being honest. And uh, I, I have questions and concerns for both sides. Um, you know, Amanda Lemos got completely dominated against uh, Zhang Lee in the five-round bout, but she did go five rounds with Zhang Weili, Um, you know, which she only scored 11 fantasy points in 25 minutes, which is quite embarrassing. But I'll tell you what this girl possesses, and she possesses devastating power. Uh, zero, zero wrestling and ground game. In comparison to Zhang Wei Li, um, but like she does have offensive jiu jitsu, it's just defensively. I do worry about her getting put in a submission. Uh, I just don't think that Mackenzie Dern has the necessary wrestling to get the fight where she needs to go. I've been saying it like she attempts takedowns over and over. Two of eleven against Yan Xiaonan, three of nine against Angela Hill, zero of four against Jessica Andraj. Jiu jitsu fighters tend to struggle when it comes to takedowns, unless they come from a uh, a wrestling background also, or unless they have a wrestling coach that really hammers home how to get takedowns. When the, when the fight hits the mat, they're fine, but it's getting to the mat, where I think Amanda Lemos absolutely got dominated against Zhang Weili, and then preparing for Tatiana Suarez, you know what she's preparing to do, preparing to sprawl and brawl, Okay. Like, our life depends on it. There's no way that you can compare the takedowns of Tatiana Suarez to Mackenzie Dern. The jiu-jitsu skills are better for Dern, yes. But I actually have legitimate questions and concerns about Mackenzie Dern. Um, You know, in a lot of these fights you're seeing, outside the Angela Hill performance, which was excellent, uh, Marina Rodriguez lost. Most likely, in my opinion, lost that fight to Tisha Torres. Lost to Yan Shao Nan. Got completely embarrassed to Jessica Andraj, who is just too powerful for her, too strong. Uh, shrugged her off, knocked her down time and time again. Proved how uh, how big of a gap there is in the striking between Mackenzie Dern and Jessica Andraj. There's the same gap in striking between Mackenzie Dern and Amanda Lemos. The Amanda Lemos possesses some crazy power, and Mackenzie Dern just took a hell of a beating back in November of 2023. You know, and I. Accepting this on short notice, I just don't like it. I really don't like it. I'm surprised Amanda isn't a bigger favorite, in my opinion. Could Mackenzie sub her quick? Absolutely. But I actually think that all the things I, I mentioned, losing to Zhang Wei Li, following it up with a, a camp for Tatiana Suarez, I think it actually works in Amanda Lemos's favor here against Mackenzie Dern. So give me Lamos here to win by knockout at 8,300.
0: Yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm thinking this is a Dern fight. I, I, I Yeah, okay. I just, I mean, look, this is one of those things where I just, I mean, her takedowns are not great. I mean, the, and most jiu-jitsu practitioners are not. I just, to me, I'm more interested in getting at this on the betting side of it. I I, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, if you're with Pete, Lamos is clearly someone to, to target in GPPs, but I was more look at this from a betting aspect, kind of liking that plus money. I would almost look at Dern when decision decision uh, prop out there in terms of that one. We look at price picks. Uh, they've got uh, three props on Amanda Lamos. Significant strikes, 43 and a half, 10 and a half fight time minutes and a fantasy score of 75 and a half. I might look at that fight time. Maybe, yeah. maybe less than? Yeah, I, I agree. Why, I mean, why, I think, for some reason, I think this fight what, what, what is, if I was going to attack it over there, I would probably look at the under 10 and a half, but not one of my favorite yeah, plays.
1: I think it's a sneaky pl- play. And I'll tell you what, man, I've like I tell you, I struggled all week with a lot of these picks, and it's tough for me to really pick a side just because of how competitive and how you know, there's, there seems to be two outcomes in every single fight. Like, one guy's going to win by this. One one fighter's going to win by this. And um, I see it the same way here. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a Dern sub or a Lamosh KO, TKO, in my opinion. Um, I, if, if Lamos goes out there and she shoots a takedown against Mackenzie Dern, that's just, I, I can't do nothing about that. I mean, that's just zero fight IQ. Keep the fight standing at all costs. <laughs>
0: Yeah, why, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to go where it gets, puts McKenzie Dern in her best potential uh, to it win this matchup? All and, the
1: time, though. You know this, though. You
0: know? But I'll, I'll say when you look at where ownership projections are currently, obviously they're going to change with, with the fight change uh, it, with the heavyweights matchup that we'll briefly discuss here in, in a moment. Like, if you were, you know, you're, you're not a 150 maxer, but you want to get in those big contests, like, there is very much a, a thought process I have right now saying there are some fighters who are in the 20 to 25 percent ownership range and you could get away from the chalk and I mean even though I think the main event is a priority if you really wanted to make your lineup very much different if you got away from the main event and you got rid of the three chalky fighters you could come up with an interesting build
1: yeah you definitely could and um you know in reality if there's six other fighters that get a hundred plus points and the main event winner gets 90 something. It just still might not be enough. You know what I mean? Like it, it's at the price point though, where I do think it's like a 90% chance of being optimal. So, um, yeah, but,
0: of course, uh, next up we got a new heavyweight matchup as initially supposed to be Marcus Ruggiero de Lima versus Justin Toffa. Justin Toffa as pulls out of the matchup. His brother steps in. He has made weight at two hundred and forty-nine pounds. Ruggiero de Lima has also stepped on the scale. He's made weight at two hundred and sixty-one and a half pounds. Uh Rogier Lima, obviously we know what his salaries are right now. Eighty five hundred on DK, sixteen dollars on FanDuel. We'll see where Junior Taffa is gonna be at. And uh, you know, Pete, I mean, there's not really I mean, obviously, because you haven't had a chance to to really break down film with this matchup could be. But I I do think one of the most more interesting aspects of this is the fact of Junior was preparing to take on a grappler in Carl Williams.
1: Yeah, I I think that helps his case, right? It definitely helps his case. Um, I do think that Junior is actually a very good striker. You know, he's a very good striker. He got fraud checked in a couple matchups. Um, But like that doesn't mean that these guys can't make adjustments from camp to camp doesn't mean that they can't come back with a better game plan or fix their weaknesses uh i can't believe we're having junior tafa step in which is quite surprising um but he has crazy power he does have crazy power i probably like him up at heavyweight uh a little bit better um you know the fight against muhammad usman the takedowns were the difference um I almost think that I might be leaning towards Tafa here. I, I got to tell you, I think that preparing for Carl Williams really helps him in this matchup. Kind of like how I was saying with Tatiana Suarez, matchup for Amanda Lemos Um I think he's the better striker than uh, Jogera de Lima. I think Jogera de Lima hits hard as hell, but I actually think that there, you know, he's, he's been knocked out in the regional scene and then obviously just knocked out against the – um, uh, against Eric Lewis, if he can keep this fight standing, I think that Tafa can actually win a decision or or, or stop him here. So, uh, man, I'll have to look back into the film, but uh, you know, knee jerk reaction, I think I'm leaning Tafa.
0: Yeah, and one of the questions were if there were odds are out, and I was just uh, looking maybe see if DraftKings Sportsbook has put anything out yet on this one. Uh, they do not have a line out yet on what this what a one.
1: mess. If he's so the issue is is if he comes at a broken price tag, like I would think they would just swap the seventy seven hundred for seventy seven hundred. If he comes anything less than that, then I think it's it's very hard to get away from him.
0: I mean, what if he's seven thousand?
1: Yeah, we are missing a seven thousand fighter.
0: You know, I mean, that, that that to me, it becomes kind of the, the interesting one with that one. And uh, we'll see what uh, prize picks, how they change their props on, on this one as well. Next up, we got Nakamura taking on Vera. Nakamura, a 13 to one betting favorite uh, on the other side. Vera plus 750. Nakamura, six hundred DK, $23 on FanDuel. Vera, 6600 DK at $8 on FanDuel, Pete.
1: Yeah, so I like Rinya Nakamura a lot. I think that he's one of the brightest prospects in the sport. Um, unbelievable wrestling. Striking's a work in progress, but his his striking is very dangerous. Um he he has plenty of quick wins on his record and you know you saw that against Toshio Kazama who decided to blitz him and try to bang with him and he ended it in 33 seconds. You saw against Fernie Garcia where he just put on a clinic, man, four or four in a takedown department and uh, had basically 10 minutes of control time. Did not score the best at 85. He's going up against um Carlos Vera here, who coming off the Ultimate Fighter, pretty old guy for for the Ultimate Fighter. Um, but that, I'll tell you one sneaky thing about Carlos Vera is that it, you know he used to or still belongs to Fifty Fifty uh, Jiu Jitsu, which is a big leg lock heavy gym, obviously. Okay, Ryan Hall's gym. So uh, there's a possibility that in a weird scramble, maybe he catches Nakamura completely blindsided with a, a heel hook, but I think the chances are less than five percent. I think that Nakamura rolls here. Um amazing wrestler against a jujitsu guy with zero striking. I think Nakamura like is one of the best spend ups on the entire slate and it's pretty obvious.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very obvious. And uh yeah you know, I think if you can find the, the space to put him in your lineup, I definitely want to get there. In in terms of that one and you look over price picks uh 37.5 significant strikes, seven and a half fight time minutes, two and a half takedowns, and one hundred and twelve and a half fancy score.
1: Yeah. Um
0: I kinda I would like that I like that going over that fantasy score.
1: I do too. I, I do too. And that's ballsy, but I do.
0: Yeah. Uh next up we got Ming Yang taking on Ribeiro. Ribeiro, plus plus one oh five minus one twenty five for Zhang Zhang, eighty four hundred DK, fifteen dollars on FanDuel. And for Ribeiro, he's seventy hundred on DK and fifteen dollars on FanDuel, Pete.
1: Yeah, flip a coin, Jason. I mean, honestly, like who's gonna land first in this situation? The under one and a half's juiced like crazy. Zhang Ming Yang and Brenson Habero. Both of these guys have been knocked out numerous times and finished um, striking and via submission. So and, and they both are crazy aggressive. Uh, we've seen Zhang Ming Yang go out there and blitz his opponents, you know, with reckless abandon. And he has sub one minute wins in multiple contests now. Um, Brentson Hibero was a massive underdog on Dana White's contender series. Uh, he throws, he puts his chin down and he throws counter shots. Throws a very, very hard right hand down the middle, but throws wide swinging hooks. Kind of like how Carlston Harris throws his, his shots as well. Um, you know, and he's been knocked down and he's been put in bad positions. I think the X factor here is if Zhang Ming Yang wrestles offensively, I think that he's probably the better grappler of the two. Uh, from a wrestling standpoint, um, and I'm actually going to side with Zhang Mingyang. I could see the Brentson and Barrow coming through as another underdog. Was priced as a ridiculous underdog on Bre- on Dana White's Contender Series. It's really, I mean, I it's a very volatile fight, the most volatile on the entire slate. But um, I'm going to side with Zhang Mingyang. I, I I do think that defensively, at least his hands come back a little bit better <laughs> than what I'm seeing. So I, I'm I'm going to be picking Zhang Mingyang to win.
0: Yeah, I'm with you over there. And by the way, the, the fight time prop over on Picks is four.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's that's kind of what it seems like. This fight's going to be over.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, next up, we got uh, Josh Quinlan taking on Danny Barlow. Barlow minus 210 plus 175 for Quinlan. Quinlan, 7,500 on DK, $12 on FanDuel. And for Barlow, he's 8,700 on DK and $19 on FanDuel, Pete.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, like, we have a guy in Danny Barlow who has a phenomenal left hand um and you know left hand to god he, he sits there and he throws combinations with 50 left hands in a row and guess what he's very good at it and he steps back and he knows his range really well the one worry i have is his grappling which i i think you know was was shown in one of his regional fights that he's not the best in that department but if he can get back to his feet and get back to uh, the range, the striking range. He can pick apart a lot of people from the outside. He has very good volume, very, very devastating power for the division, and great speed. I think Josh Quinlan is a little too slow for this matchup. I, I think that he's kind of like throwing through mud, and like it just shots come out really slow. When they land, they're powerful. Um, the the best part of this fight for him to take the fight is to the mat he needs to put uh, Danny Barlow on his back and attempt to utilize that Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. You know, He attempted against Trey Waters, went one of eight in the takedown department, um, had only 54 seconds of control time. If he takes Danny Barlow down, I think that's his easiest path to victory. And he he talked about in an interview making adjustments from that last fight to this fight. I can't tell you if he's going to do it. I actually think on the outside he's going to struggle. He's going to reach... He's going to close the distance, and he's going to crash right into a left hand. Um, does he get knocked out? I'm not sure, but I think that Danny Barlow is going to sting him enough to keep him away. So uh, Danny Barlow is going to be the pick at 8,700, and I think he's going to be pretty popular. But uh, if I if I bet Josh Quinlan, I'm going to be betting him via submission.
0: Yeah, I mean, my, my scary thing with Quinlan is just kind of how this – uh, everything has unfolded with him in, in the UFC right. From the contingent series to the, the failed drug test and, and how he did his official UFC debut So that, that's the concern I have with Josh Quinn And by the way, Samuel, I appreciate the super chat I always appreciate those super chats uh, The When they come into the podcast here Of course, also, uh, we've got the offers from Stochastic You can take advantage of as well That's another great way to show your support For what me and Pete do here on the Fight HQ podcast Next up, we got Elliot and Woodburn Elliot is a minus 320 betting to 255 for Woodburn Elliot 9300 DK, $22 on FanDuel, and Woodburn, $6,900 on DK and $9 on FanDuel, Pete.
1: Yeah, so I'll tell you, uh Oban Elliott, for a massively priced favorite, I just I just don't like the line. I don't like the line at all. I think offensively when he grapples, he could put his opposition in bad spots. I don't think he's all that good, though. I, I don't. He was getting beat up in the Dana White's Contender Series fight in a moment, and, and then his opponent gassed out, and he was able to take over late. Um, he does you know deal with adversity well as far as just being tough. He has heart. He's tough, but like from a skill standpoint, I don't think he's a great striker. I don't think his strength of schedule is anything spectacular as well. The two times he fought decent competition, he lost in both of them, and he was actually getting out wrestled in one, and then he got grounded ground pouted in the other. Um, do I think Val Woodburn's good, Jason? No, I, I wouldn't label him good, but what I would label label him as powerful, um, dangerous muscle bound and very strong. What what happened in the Bo Nickel fight, 38 seconds, doesn't show how good he is. Um I still don't think he's gonna win here against Oban Elliott. I think Oban Elliott's going to win a decision. Um, you know, and utilize some some cage control and attempts to get him to the mat. But like if Woodburn lands a big shot, I would not be surprised about seeing Oban Elliott get knocked down. As he has in numerous fights throughout his regional career, um, and then it could be a situation where like Woodburn lands a knockdown, maybe two, and then a couple shots, and you got the punt of 6,900 Woodburn in a loss, in a fight that most likely goes the distance, possibly helping you get to the nuts as far as a, a high end, top end, crazy fantasy you know producers. Uh, you, you punt all the way down to 6,900. Val Woodburn. I mean, it allows you everything, you know, everything under the sun, unless Tafa Junior Tafa comes in here, you know, under that range or close to it. If he comes at seven thousand, I'd much ra- I'd much rather pivot from a Woodburn dart throw to a, a Tafa dart throw. So uh, we'll have to see how the sh- how the slate shapes out. Um, but I, I do think that the disres- disrespect's pretty far, and I think there's a massive gap. I think there should be like an eighty six to a 76 um, type of salary range. But Oban Elliott will probably still win a decision just because of his work rate and uh, his pace that he possesses. But I'm telling you, from a a complete dart throw, I, I don't hate the Woodburn KO.
0: And you look over at Prize Picks; they've got a fight time of ten minutes. They have two takedowns for Elliott, a fancy score of ninety-eight and a half, and then a, a significant strike prop of thirty-nine and a half. And uh, I mean, look, this is—I if I was going to play anything, I think I would go the under ten uh, fight time minutes.
1: I just don't see how he does it. Like, I don't think yeah. Oban's going to sh- knock him out because I, I watch his striking. I mean, you can get better from camp to camp. Yeah. Um, I think his best path is clearly take him down and submit him. You know, maybe like with a rear naked choke, arm triangle, some type of choke, um, and just put him to sleep. But, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking decision, but prize picks might not be.
0: Yeah, uh, The first fight of the night, which by the way I am I was kind of surprised to see This is the first fight, Now I would have thought yeah. it had been later on In the fight card, you got Andrea Lee Taking on Miranda Maverick, Maverick A-185 Betting fair, plus 155 for Andrea Lee Lee, 7,300 on DK, $12 on FanDuel Maverick, 8,900 on DK And $17 on FanDuel Pete.
1: My man, I'm telling you I got some weird picks this week And it's either going to be really good or really bad But I'm picking Andrea Lee here I am. I think the value is there. I think that the value is there on Andrea Lee. You look at her strength of schedule, it's completely different than what Miranda Maverick has done. Like It really is. My issue is if Miranda Maverick chains four or five takedowns en route to a ton of control time to stifle Andrea Lee's game. Totally possible and probably going to happen, right? Um, but like Priscilla Cachoeira, Jasmine Jasuda Vicious, Shannon Young, Sabina Mazo. Blancheville Barber, Robertson, Jojua versus Andrea Lee, who has fought Natalia Silva, Barber, Arajo, Calvillo, Shevchenko, Motiferi, Murphy, Calderwood, Montana De La Rosa. Like Beating Montana De La Rosa, who I think is a hell of an offensive wrestler, um, I think that is, even if it's really aged and it's back in 2019, I just feel like there's a... a a path to victory for her beating Miranda Maverick, who is an overblown favorite in this matchup, in my opinion. I just don't see. She's been a favorite in every single fight, Jason. She's been a favorite in every single fight. Jojua, Robertson, Barber, Blanchfield, Mazo, Young, Jasuda Vicious, and Cachuera. The Mar- Vegas loves Miranda Maverick, or they want everybody to love Miranda Maverick. Whereas I actually think that the value is on Andrea Lee. I think that she's gonna throw. She's the better striker of the two. She throws at a higher volume. Um, you know, and I actually can see her, you know, stifling some of Miranda Maverick's attempts. And she can also offensively wrestle. I feel like people aren't taking that into consideration. I mean, she took Macy Barber down five times, uh, Shevchenko three times. That doesn't say much. She took down Araujo once. I just think it's going to be a dogfight and I'm going to lean towards the underdog and Andrea Lee priced at 7300 I think she's solid uh, value.
0: I'm on the other one on this one. I, I like yeah. Miranda Maverick in this position and you know you know me, I don't love to play the first five of the night, but like, as as I'm thinking about it, it and more of the thought process of, of multi-entry GPPs and going, okay, I want to get away from the, this ch- these chalk numbers that are out there. And I, I look at someone like a Miranda Maverick and I go... I see the grappling upside where she could rack up a ton of points with grappling. And that's why like just looking for a little bit of a, of a lever spot. That's why I would look at Miranda Maverick uh, in this one. By the way, her takedown prop on price picks is two and a half. Fantasy score 78 and a half and a significant strike of 50 and a half. If you tell me this fight this fight plays out on the feet, Pete, yeah, I think Andrew Lee's got a really good shot to pull the upside off. But I just I'm thinking that Miranda Maverick's just gonna be able to get the takedowns.
1: I, I don't disagree. I think she is going to get the takedowns. I just I, I hope that Andrea Lee is able to get back to her feet and make this competitive. The number for me is I think she's going to land four takedowns. So I think the two and a half is a bargain. Take the more on uh, Miranda Maverick uh, over you know more than two and a half takedowns.
0: Uh, let's get into our straight-up fight picks. Then we'll get into listener questions. The main event, I keep going back and forth on this one. Me too, bro. Tough week. Tough week. I love Volk. I love Volk. How do you not love Volk? I got to go with history here. I think we're talking end new tomorrow. Give me Taporia. Okay. I'm going to lean towards the vet. I'm going to lean towards Volk. Co-main event is another one I keep going back and forth on. Um, give me Whitaker, but I think the fight's much closer than the betting odds.
1: Fair. Very fair. I'm still going to stick with Costa,
0: though. Uh, I would love to pick Jeff Neal, but I just think Ian Gary gets it done. Ian Gary. Uh, I would go Marab Davishvili. Marab. Give me Hernandez, but I don't mind the, the dog shot in Kopitlov. Agreed. Hernandez. Uh, I'm going to go Mackenzie Dern. Gets the upset. Amanda Lemos. All right. Um, the, the Dilema and Junior Tafa fight.
1: <sighs> I mean. We, that, that news just dropped on us.
0: I, I, I got to watch some film more. I mean, my my gut says you take share your chair to Lima. But I think if you're looking, you know, we'll see what the betting odds are and what the salaries are. It could be a very interesting punt play in Junior Tafo.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh,
0: I like Kenya Nakamura.
1: Yeah, Nakamura, big time.
0: Uh, I will go coin flip fly here, but give me uh, Zhang.
1: Yep, give me Zhang as well.
0: I'll go Barlow. Barlow give me elliot elliot and then give me maverick
1: give me lee
0: all right so i'm going to kind of go through um start with our uh, questions in discord of course uh totally free to join great conversation we have over there in discord uh let's see here uh first up we got um uh favorite core plays um look i mean main event that's got to be a core play for you um then i i look at uh Hernandez Kopilov um, and more Anthony Hernandez being a core play just because of that grappling upside. Um, and then if, if you can get to him price wise, I really like to get to Nakamura.
1: I love Nakamura. Nakamura is going to be a priority. I mean, a lot of times, how I like to build my lineups is I like to find like one, maybe two fighters that I feel extremely confident in to get the win. And it's Rinya Nakamura's number one. I still got to put my finger on who's number two because that's the hardest part is finding that second fighter you mm. are, like, so confident about.
0: Uh, favorite inside-of-distance fights slash fighters. Um, I would kind of just going from the bottom up, I would say Quinlan Barlow is one of the sticks out to me. Zhang and Ribeiro would be another one to me. Um, I would probably – I mean – it's low-level heavyweight. Rogério De Lima and and, and Junior Toffle will probably be another one. Um, Lemos and Dern, I think, is a sneaky inside the distance type fight.
1: Yeah, I think it's sneaky as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, Any other fights that uh, you like inside the distance?
1: Um, you know, I think that the. I I really think it's the Zhang Habero fight, as you mentioned. Um. I think it could be a long night. These fights don't start till what? Six thirty? I'm 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 feeling a lot of late a lot of late finishes or decisions.
0: I am not saying what time is lock here. I think um, it's six
1: thirty, oh, That's late as hell. That's too late for me. I know I'm getting old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're getting old. Uh yeah, lock time is six thirty tomorrow. That's
1: lo- that's late, dude. That's because it's pay per view. Ten Correct, o'clock. Yeah. It's gonna be freaking. You've, you've,
0: ho- you've been used to these four p.m. Uh, lock times.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Don't worry, we've got some. We got some early ones coming. Uh, let's see. Uh, actually, well, next week's UFC is at a uh, seven p.m. lock time, uh, but then the March second is a one p. lock time. That was a card that was supposed to be in uh, Saudi Arabia. Daytime MMA. Uh, favorite live dogs. Uh, just kind of going down the list. Uh, I will say Costa, sahuto I, probably, think
1: it's a, a, I think that so many dogs are barking, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, really, there's like five of them.
0: Yeah. Uh, Punt plays for me, Um, I would say Paulo Costa, Jeff Neal, Roman Kopilov.
1: I love it. And then for me, the, the ultimate punt play would be like a Woodburn just to yeah. do enough and loss.
0: Uh, fights with the best decision odds. I have not had to actually go and look at the actual decision props here, but I think there's some fights you definitely got to look at going to the distance. Um, I would say Whitaker, Costa, Neil, Gary, Davishvili, Sahuta would be my top three.
1: Don't you think that like Costa should be having more finishes than he does? Because yes. like, it's very surprising. I mean, like he had four in a row when he started, and then it's it's he hasn't found that mark.
0: Uh over under on finishes seven and a half. Give me the under.
1: Under long yeah. night.
0: Uh value plays under 8K on DraftKings, three core plays on DraftKings. Uh when you look at value underneath 8K, um I mean it's a lot of the same names we've kind of mentioned already. Um mm-hmm. you know, but so I mean I think you look at Costa, Jeff Neal. Um I don't know if Sehuda really scores well. Um, in, in a three-round decision, Kopilov. There's obviously we we have talked about the ceiling there. Um, we'll see what G, uh, Junior Toffa's salary ends up being. Riberio may be another interesting under AK option. I would agree. Um, and, and we mentioned the core plays. To me, the core plays for me it's it's either guy in the main event. Um, Anthony Hernandez and Nakamura would be my core plays. I like it. Uh favorite captain. This is a I was actually kind of looking at some of the, the captain odds a, a little bit earlier here. Um yeah, I, I think I'm looking at someone probably earlier on in the card, not necessarily later on in the card because I think that's where people are gonna get a little uh you know um the the Nakamura captain ownership is just absolutely insane. Um Amanda oh, Lamos scared. could be a very interesting captain play.
1: At least you can guarantee that you're going to get a good score in the captain. Cause the worst is if you get a middling score in the captain, yes. like I for last night for my showdown for, mm-hmm. for NBA, it's just mm-hmm. like I had everything else perfect, but the guy in captain just had a mediocre mm-hmm. performance. You need a top mm-hmm. end guy,
0: Uh leverage and value plays on FanDuel for a single entry. Um, so, uh, cost at $12, I think it is a, a nice little, uh, play to put there, by the way, let's see here. Just got the DraftKings email. Let's see. Uh, do we have a salary? We do not just let you know that the, uh, Delima Lima uh, Justin Toffa fight is off. Um, copy at $11 to me is another interesting one. Um, those are probably the value plays I really look at on, on DraftKings. Um, looking at ownership, um, Maybe a pun on on Val Woodburn.
1: I mean, really, it's just about just yeah. getting at least four to five right. Yeah. If you have one guy who sucks, it sometimes it doesn't even matter.
0: Uh, uh, next up, Tristan, the best leverage play, Ian Gary or Robert Whitaker. Yes. Uh, best takedown upside.
1: Anthony Hernandez.
0: Yeah. Davis Julie, I think is another one. But um the one thing about David Julie, he doesn't necessarily keep people down. So he could rack up a lot of points with, with takedowns there. Uh rank the 9K options. So we have four 9K options. Elliot, Nakamura, Gary, Whitaker. I would rank them as one Nakamura, two, Whitaker, three, Gary, four, Elliot.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go Nakamura Gary. Whitaker Elliott. Elliot could be this guy that like if, if you've watched him live or you train with him, you might know that he's a, going to smash this slate, but I can't mm-hmm. just say he's going to. You know what I mean? I just that's a big price tag for a guy making his UFC debut.
0: Kudos to Woody over in Discord, uh, found this on Twitter. Uh fight odds puts out a line of De Delima minus two fifty plus two ten for Junior Taffa
1: who's t- who's plus 210 about on on this card plus Kop- Kopilov
0: is plus 200 That's 7400
1: he's going to be 73 73- okay it's going to be like 73 or 7200 if i had to guess unless they unless they do a swap if they really do a one for one swap where he's at 7700 as a plus 210 underdog then the value's on Lima. you know what i mean it's pretty yeah. clear but if if they Put him where he's supposed to be and then I do think it makes Tofa pretty interesting
0: I uh, just kind of uh, scrolling through the YouTube comments make sure we didn't miss any questions in there If you want to slide one in right now, we'll get to get your question right before we end the show here uh, Of course, we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the fight HQ podcast where you watch us here on YouTube If you're watching us on YouTube be sure to subscribe to the channel hit that thumbs up button It truly does help us out a ton um Samuel made a comment about uh, Andrea Lee's fight IQ being very questionable at times.
1: Oh yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Her her IQ in general is questionable. Look who she married. So uh, I'm not I'm not a big big fan of her <laughs> husband at all. So yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. How are you going to take in the fights tomorrow night? I haven't quite decided how I'm, if I'm going to sit on the couch and watch them, if I'm going to go out and watch them. I haven't There's quite made that decision that yet. I
1: take fights in Jason, and it's at home. I don't enjoy. I don't enjoy watching with nobody. <laughs> it's just, like, I, I really don't. Like, it's if you watch fights with me, then you're, like, really close with me. Because, like, outside, my mom, my dad, and my girl, my daughter, who actually loves watching the fights, by the way, um, or, like, my, my girlfriend's family. Like, very few people I watch the fights. I just don't enjoy it. I'm way too locked in.
0: By the way, you know what came with my memories yesterday? What? The time we did a show from... Uh... From the Mohegan Sun.
1: Oh, dude, we got to post it. We got to post it in our Discord so people could see how long I've been
0: grinding at
1: this dream.
0: The the infamous Pete lied to me about his game plan.
1: I didn't lie to you about <laughs> the game plan. I mean, my God, this guy just gave me the underhooks. How the hell am I not supposed to use them? No, no, I told Jason I can't. I mean, let me push back. The takedown was there, too, So, and you know it.
0: I know. Well, I mean, look, it's, you, you, you have to take... What's presented to you, even I if it, even if it's you didn't expect it to pre- present itself to you.
1: I mean, based on how history is gone, it was probably not you know like you everybody else on the outside is like what the hell is he doing? But like you know, I made a lot of adjustments, and that's why like that's the hardest thing about MMA. I was talking to my dad because I've been killing it with NBA. He's like, you know, MMA seems to be the toughest one that you play, and it's like, Dad, it is. Like it's really hard yeah. predicting fights. Never mind trying to predict scores. You know, if you're doing a 150 max, you can, you know, you you can, you know, possibly set yourself up with an optimizer. But like, if you tell me you hand built the optimal lineup, that's freaking impressive. That's
0: impressive. Yeah, it is. By the way, this, this comment from Dexter in the chat, I am just laughing my ass off. I can't sweat hundreds of dollars in public. I'm just locked in. Plus, I can't rip my bong in the bars. <laughs> I, I, hey, Dexter, I'll say this i've been in spots where yeah no one's gonna rip a bong they're ripping the pin
1: though <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's so so up here it's just it's like recreational now so like it's everywhere and oh really i got no i got no problem with it i mean it, it don't bother me nobody bothers me let everybody live their own life as long as nobody you know what i mean like people get drunk it's way worse you know what i'm saying so it's 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 a completely different thing but uh yeah, I mean, you got to be in your element to enjoy the fights. So, yeah, I, like you I, know, I, I don't. i watch it with friends and all that, but yeah. like I hate being. I'm a, such a homebody now, especially now being a dad. Yeah, where it's just like I just want to chill.
0: <laughs> well, the thing I enjoy about going out and watching the fights is just seeing people's reactions, and like it has told me more about the MMA viewing audience. Yeah. than sitting at home and having Twitter in front of you. Right. It's. A, it's, yeah. it's I, I talked about this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago and I said like there's certain fighters that either you thought they were a star or fighters that you didn't think they were a star I, I remember like last year the two fighters that really stuck out to me was and I usually go to the same spot to watch UFC events is how much fans love Volk you know as a non-American and the other, um, other one was Charles Oliveira how much people love Charles Oliveira yeah,
1: yeah I mean Everybody loves Charles now. I mean, I don't blame him. I mean, he's just, he's incredible. He's a great guy to like.
0: It's it's one of those things, though. It's like that type of atmosphere tells you a lot about what the audience likes and does not like. I mean, there's been times you sit there and, you know, fights going on that, you know, we're really into. But you look around, it's like, man, no one's paying attention.
1: Yeah, yeah, it happens a lot, man. It happens a lot. And I think the reason I like being home so much is because, like, Ever since I was sixteen I've le- I've worked like every Friday and Saturday mm-hmm. in the club in yeah. bar scene. So the last thing I want to do is go out. You know what I mean? I, I just really, really value being home now.
0: Oh no, no. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Joshua mentions it's hard to lie bet at the bar. Well, I mean, you get your if you got your, your sports betting app, it's really easy.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can't remember when how it was. I mean, I actually had to drive into different states to, to try to place bets. Yeah. So now I could just – I got it pretty easy now. I just sit there and flip open the phone and boom.
0: Yeah, and, and live and live betting is such the way to go in MMA. It's such Absolutely. the way to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll live bet NHL games. If I see it, you know, it's like third period, one team's down one goal, and it's got some good plus money on it. I've done that with the Lightning a couple times this year, and it's worked out really well for me.
1: Yeah, I don't even know anything about hockey. There's something about an open net thing. You know, you got the whole. You got actually, they, they tag somebody in, and then what the hell is going on? They got another guy. I don't know what's going on.
0: Uh, which, we'll, we'll finish on this question here from Matt, where he says, Pete, you called the Volk head kick last time. Got yeah. any calls this time?
1: I appreciate that, Matt. Um, I, did, I did call the head kick. I don't know. I, I really mm-hmm. don't, and I'm pretty transparent. I'm not just going to. Pull something out and and tell you guys. I don't know. I I see it going one of two ways: Volk getting caught on the exit, or Volk wearing down Taporia over time and uh, ground and pound being a little too much Mm -hmm. in a dominant decision or a late
0: finish i mean look I, i'm expecting a great fight tomorrow night so looking forward to to watching it of course as always we appreciate you tuning in for this episode of the fight hq podcast of course a uh, great way to show your support for the channel totally free to do just hit that subscribe hit that thumbs up button if you're us on the podcasting channel leave a rating and review that does help us out a ton and of course we will be back next week as we have got uh we got a double header next week of uh, ufc action pete or not i say ma action Earlier on in the day we got the PFL Bellator event from Saudi Arabia. That night we've got the fight night card from Mexico City of Bran Roy Val and uh why is the other name? Um sticking my head. Oh, Bran Moreno. Oh, okay. There we go. I was like yeah, I, mean, I was like, <laughs> I can't You're, get you're on your less. own,
1: dude. You're on your own. You know, I don't know. Um but yeah, I know, and we got great MMA action coming up. We still don't have a UFC 300 headliner. I almost feel they're like gonna, it's going to be a disappointment.
0: They're saying it's going to be... Uh, Dana said um, to Kevin Ioi this week that he's going to announce it at the uh, post-fight press conference, which I thought was kind of an odd call by Dana White that they would not just do it. I would think they're going to announce it on the broadcast. I would think so, too. My, I think the, the likely, likely scenarios is it's Leon Edwards-Blob Muhammad.
1: It's not no 300 main event. I just... It's... What are I, they? They've hyped it up. Uh, the, the, the only thing, that it's not it's not
0: going to be good. I mean, look, I, I think that if you if it's not a Conor fight announcement, um, and and I think that the right questions are not being asked to Dana White about Conor McGregor because uh, you know let's just say the the rumblings is it's a contract issue. They're trying to get Conor McGregor to a new contract. He has two fights left on his current deal. I think you can understand why maybe Connor wants to try to fight this thing out.
1: I read right through that thing too. I read right through all that, and it was pretty obvious that, um, I mean, it's kind of crazy the deflection in this yeah. business. I mean, the, there, there was the deflection in this business is crazy.
0: There was some speculation about Hamzat, um, but it sounds to me there could be a visa issue in, in relation to getting him into the United States.
1: And he said something about Ramadan too, so, um,
0: yeah, I think I think it's Ramadan. Maybe ends the week prior. Maybe I want to say.
1: Bilal's the only fighter I know that's fought through it.
0: Right? Oh yeah. Oh, Balal is he? He's ready to go. But yeah, I think overall the likelihood is people are going to be disappointed with the UFC 300 main event. I, if you're, you know, if you tell me it's Leon Edwards below Muhammad, just make Gaethje Holloway the main event.
1: Half the 299s should have been on 300. So yeah, you know what I mean, like. They they screwed themselves with that. I don't know what they were anticipating, but like, yeah, they got so many of these other big cards. They should have just like just pivoted and put it all towards three hundred. But hey, it's no big. He wants he wants it to be the greatest card ever.
0: Yeah, and I just yeah, I know they already came out and said uh, Garbrandt versus uh, Figueredo will be the very first fight of the night.
1: That is insane.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I will say that it's it's gonna be a stack card, no doubt about it.
1: That's crazy. Shoot.
0: Yeah. Uh, but uh, that is going to do it for this episode of Fight HQ Podcast. We'll be back here next week. As always, we appreciate you tuning into this episode. And uh, let's hope for some great fights tomorrow night. Talk to you all next week.